Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. Attention all basketball fans, CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for download on every podcast platform. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya! Into the second deck, a grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge, and the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And the Suns started the NBA Finals right as they won game one, 118 to 105, led by Chris Paul, scoring 32 points. Uh, DeAndre Ayton had a big night. He had 22 and 19. Devin Booker with 27. Giannis played. He looked pretty good in the first half. Got a little bit tired in the second half. He ended up with 20 points. Uh, Chris Middleton with 29. Uh, Brooke Lopez with 17. But at the end of the day, I mean, the big difference was is the Bucks could not stop the pick and roll of the Phoenix Suns that it could not defend the pick and roll. And Chris Paul was outstanding in the mid range. He was phenomenal last night, uh, you know, hit, hitting shots. Uh, and he was, he was great. He was great. Uh, and, and obviously eating on the interior was great. I mean, knowing how the game went pretty even game in the first, in the first half, Suns went up by eight at halftime. Then the Suns started to really pull away in the second half. Thanks to Chris Paul. Chris Paul was great in the third quarter, put the Suns up by, uh, put the Suns up by 20 points. Bucks ended up cutting it down to seven, but Devin Booker hit the big three. Chris Paul hit, hit the big two. That put 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 the Suns up by 12, and then it was Booker again hitting another big shot, and then Chris Paul with the end one to clinch the games. Suns win 118 to 105 to take a 1-0 lead in the NBA Finals. Justin, your thoughts on the game last night? Yeah, Phoenix. Um, we saw it was a little bit it was a better team, and I think the problem here for Milwaukee is for Phoenix um, is that nobody on the Suns had a outlier performance besides Aiden Booker and Paul. Besides those three, nobody had an outlier performance. They still lost by 13. And they shot 44% from three, and you still lost by 13. I'd be very, very concerned right now as a Bucks fan. Um, I, I think they're big, big trouble. I thought the Suns, Monty Williams outcoached Booz and Holter, which is no surprise. The pick and roll, they could not stop that. Um, I, I expect them to continue to dominate that, but um, – Giannis, Giannis at 2017, for a guy that was doubtful 12 hours before the game to, you know, then be upgraded to a game time decision, to go out, yeah, 2017, and, yeah, he looked tight in the second half, but he played pretty well for a guy that, you know, with a knee injury that we thought a week ago was, you know, something he was going to be out for a while with. 
Oh, absolutely. 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 So, I mean, yeah, now, now that the sun's up, uh, up, uh, 118, 105, and we got to get to Chris Paul's performance last night because it was phenomenal. And he had a phenomenal performance in Game Six of the of the Conference Finals, and a phenomenal performance last night. And and right now, the big question is for Chris Paul: Can he continue to play at this level? In my opinion, I think he can. I think he's just unstoppable from the mid range. He's pretty good from three point range. We're seeing. I think a lot of people thought, oh, he's past his prime. He's not right now. I still think he's a he's arguably a top fifteen player in the league. Definitely a top twenty five player in the league. A great pickup for the Suns to go get him. I mean, to, to, to trade for him, he's just, it was, that was the best move of the off season. This the, the move that it could very easily get them a championship and no, no one deserves it more than Chris Paul. He's just been, he's been in this league for so long, you know, so many times he's been close, but this time I feel like this is going to be his time. I think his time has come and he was outstanding last night. And the question I'm going to ask you, Justin is can CP three continue to play at the level he has? I think he's going to be able to. And I think, yeah, with that pick and roll game, I don't see the Bucks really adjusting to that. And I don't think the Bucks are going to have an answer for that. So, yeah, I think he's going to keep getting that mid-range shot whenever he wants. Um, he's, you know, again, he had yeah, 32 points. And then he's he's still great vision. You know, he's still great ball. He had nine assists as well. Again, even if his shot's not falling, he's been a great distributor in the, in the playoffs as well. So, even when he's off shooting-wise, I, I still think he's going to rack up the assists. So, yeah, I think Chris Paul is going to be able to be at this level, and, and it's great. You know, if the guy, first time in the finals, he's been in the league forever. Wherever he's gone, he's helped that team. That team's gotten better every single year. Uh, so it's a great story to see Chris Paul finally get a shot in the finals, and I think he's going to keep playing well. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now we go to the Bucks, who trail uh, oh, they would trail one nothing in this series. The big question for them is what do they need to do? What adjustments do they need to make? To to uh, even the series, obviously they need to defend the pick and roll better, but 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 I think they need to get more. You know, they need to stop this. You know, isolation one on one on offense. I think they need to get more movement on offense. I think Drew Holiday's got to get. He's got to score more. He's got to get more involved. Uh, I think that's a, that that's a big key. Obviously, Giannis has got to get healthy. But the big question is for you, Justin, is what do the Bucks have to do to be competitive in this series? Yeah, you hit on it. You know, obviously the pick and roll on the defensive side. I think the problem, it's going to be tough for him because I think they miss a guy like a uh, Dante DiVitenzo, another guard to have in the series to defend. Uh, because, I again, I think they're going to be able to keep exposing Brooke Lopez, uh, you know, Bobby Ford. I think they're going to keep being able to expo- exploit him, and you really can't play zone. So they're going to have to, you know, not switch on a screen, try to go over the screen to, you know, um, they're going to have to try to do stuff like that. And yeah, for the Bucks, it's, you know, holiday, their ball movement's got to be better, especially when the Suns are playing a zone, you know, it, it's tough, you know, to try to take away Giannis, his ability to drive. It's tough to just dribble and not really have much ball movement against the zone and have success scoring wise for the Bucks as well. Um, they got to get, the line more. I know they they show up the line. You know, Phoenix went twenty five, twenty six. I like to see them be a little bit more aggressive. Get to the get to the line. Yeah, um, stop stop shooting the threes yeah. and take the ball to the basket, just like they did in Game Five against the Hawks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, yeah, because you know, again, they were able to score it's easy baskets. You know, the goal's kind of the easy baskets. They had one hundred twenty three points in the game against Atlanta. Um, you know, they got to try to continue to do that. Um, because you got to try to take some pressure off of Giannis in this series any way you can. Um, but yeah, for the Bucs, this is kind of the um, two big things for them. And then actually, the last thing was to 
when they were actually they were actually in the first half eight for 16 for finishing um on, on layups they do have to convert some couple more of those but um you know i think they were a little bit better than half when the first half they struggled so when they do get good good um open shots closer on the rim they gotta be able to finish them Absolutely, absolutely. I think another key, another thing the Bucks have to do is they got to contain DeAndre Ayton. They can't he- keep having him score 20 points. And I said that in my article. He's the X factor in the series because if he has a big series, the Suns are in really good shape because they don't have to shoot well from three to win. Because Booker only sh- Booker shot one for Booker would one for eight from three point range last night. So they don't have to shoot well from three to win if, if DeAndre Ayton does well because he because he gives them that interior presence. What the Bucks got to do is they got to they got to uh, they got to find a way to contain DeAndre Ayton because. If they don't, that I think I think the Suns definitely win this series because they're not going to have to shoot the ball from three well to win those get to win the game. Absolutely, yeah, you know, and I think that's a, you know where when they do run the pick and roll and they use Aiton as a screener and they kind of get that matchup where he gets onto the guard or whatever. Yeah, I, th- I think it's another thing where you you just got to kind of just not switch on the screen um, and kind of let Lopez kind of stay on him or Bobby Portis or. You know, I think even once, you know, even the few times that Giannis was on him and kind of just let him go, not be able to switch on the screen. Because, yeah, Aiden get 22 and 19. The Bucks are not, or have no chance of the series. He's been great down low. Um, he's, he's been great. And I know for an old school guy, doesn't really have a three-point shot. But, again, he goes eight for 10 around the rim, 22 points. He'll take it any day of the week. Absolutely, and that's the interior presence that the Bucks, because Brooke Lopez shoots threes. That's the interior presence they don't have at times. The the uh, the uh, Suns have that interior presence in DeAndre Ayton, and yeah, should is is, is DeAndre Ayton a better player than Luka Doncic or Trey Young? No, but for this team to fit this team, I think he fits this team well because this team has two good great guards with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They needed that interior presence that if they weren't shooting the ball well, that that he that 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 Ayton get points inside, and he definitely has been able to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and with the two great guards, yeah, using that pick and roll game, as we've been mentioning, you know, and just being able to uh, attack this small defender that he's on and be able to, you know, post up, do whatever he wants against a guard uh, when he's guard, you know, when a guard's on him. So, yeah, you know, the, the interior presence that Aiden's bringing, yeah, and Brooke, and Brooke doesn't really have that because he's, yeah, the three-point shooter. Even Portis is on him. Um, Giannis just, I think, with his injury, just not – going to be physically physical enough to be able to kind of handle him one-on-one but yeah I think Aiden you know you think you're right about Aiden being the x-factor in the series because I, I think he's going to be able to continue to have some big games against Milwaukee absolutely 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 so going into game two as we as we obviously talked about I, I mean I think that I think it's another game that the Sun that the Suns win I think that uh I think that Giannis isn't fully healthy yet, and I think that's going to be a problem in this series. I think that uh, Middleton was really good last night, but can he be consistent? Could consistently be really good? And uh, yes, yes, there, there. You could, you could see eight in Booker or Chris Paul have an off game, but the way Booker and Paul are playing, have been playing recently, I don't see them having an off game. Yeah, absolutely. I don't either. Um, they, they've been, they've been fantastic. I, I do think they're going to be able to continue that because I. I Again, I don't really see Boonholzer making much adjustments. I don't, you know, he's not, you know. Again, this book, you know, we have to remember too. This Bucks team, I they, again, they were down two to the Nets, and they they didn't even belong on the same floor as Brooklyn. You know, again, if Brooklyn stayed healthy, they yeah. probably get swept. 
and, and then and that's the big part of this this postseason. I mean, I, I'm not being disrespectful, but yeah, if that's a healthy Brooklyn team, Brooklyn yeah. is easily in the finals, and uh, and you and you could make a case for the Clippers, and you could make a case for the Lakers. Probably more for the Lakers than the Clippers, mm-hmm. but you can make a case for those two teams too. So yes, injuries have definitely played a factor, but you got you got to give Chris Paul credit, and you got to get these. Uh, there's two it's weird you got to give these teams credit for getting here but we know in this season injuries have definitely played a factor in this in this postseason yeah absolutely they you know yeah you know not trying to take any away from the Suns and Bucks from getting here but yeah you know it seems like every team lost kind of their one of their top two top two best players in the playoffs due to injury it's unfortunate it just with the COVID year it just happened and you know it's Hopefully, just a one-year thing. Hopefully, you know, they get back kind of normal next year. But um, yeah, you know, we're probably talking Lakers net. You know, everyone had Lakers nets, and both teams kind of, you know, we're banged up towards the finish line here. So yeah, for the Suns to um, you know, for I I think you know this I so I think the Bucks are going to struggle again in game two. I just think for the way they shot the three ball and you still lost by 13 points in the, in the Suns outside of the big three, we've been talking at Ian Booker and Paul, they didn't really get a big performance out of any of them. So I, I do think the Suns once again are going to be able to control this control game too. I just don't see Milwaukee shooting 44% from three again. No, they, they'll have to, they have, they have to, obviously the adjustment's going to make me, it's going to be, they're going to have to get the ball inside. And with Giannis banged up, the Suns have the two best players on the floor in the series. Now, if Giannis is healthy, he's the best player on the floor. But with 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 uh, with Giannis banged up, the Suns have the two best two players on the floor in the series. There's no question about that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and you know, in, in NBA, you got the best player, best players on the floor. You're gonna win those games. And yeah, obviously, Giannis healthy is, is you know probably right, just a little bit better than Booker, a little bit better than Paul. But right now, being banged up, he still played well. Yeah, they need a healthy eight, or I mean, healthy Giannis. Um, and then, yeah, Middleton. Can Middleton continue? Or he put he showed in the first half. He played better, I thought, in the second half. He shot the ball a bit better. But I just, you know, they need somebody outside of the middle. They need like another Brooke Lopez. You know, twenty five. They need 25. Drew Holiday's the guy. Drew Holiday, just yeah. like in Game Six against the Hawks, he's got to step up. He's definitely got to step up because he had a bad night last night. Yeah, he he could not hit a shot. Even though I know he was close to triple double, but. Yeah, he he was awful, um, you know, scoring wise. So yeah, I, they they need Holiday to be better. They need somebody to really get 20, 25 points for him, and help the load for Giannis. And I I just don't really see the Bucks having that right now. Yeah, so we'll see. Big game two, big big game two tomorrow. Game three is on Sunday. So we'll, when we're talking about this next, we'll be three games into the series. So we'll see what happens there. But. We got a lot of baseball to talk about. The Yankees continue to struggle. The Red Sox are in first place in the All-Star games, and the All-Star teams have been selected. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. I crossed up by Colby, well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, it's fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Quest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. That is Keys to the City. Uh, they, they, 
one of their shows is on a random day, but usually their main show is every Friday. Uh, Trevor, Ted, and Joe—they'll definitely talk about. They'll definitely talk about the Yankees. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But but uh, but this is a big, big, big. This is a big struggle for the Yankees happening right now. Terrible, terrible. This team has been awful. I mean, forty-three and forty-one. I don't care if they. If this happens every single time. Every, every Tuesday, every Tuesday, night. every Tuesday, they win. They win every Tuesday. I'm so sick and tired of them winning every Tuesday yeah. because we can't rip. It's, we can't rip them the way we want to rip them. Yeah, when they don't play well, it's just it's 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 ter- it's terrible. They win every single Tuesday. Every Tuesday they win. I'm just so tired of them winning every Tuesday. But you know they they they, they, they like what they like to do. They like to play terrible over the weekend. And they like to win every Tuesday. So, but yeah, last night they went twelve to one over the Mariners. John Carlos Stanton hit that big three-run homer. But in reality, this team is just completely underperforming. You heard Hal Steinbrenner this week, uh, last week. You and you and you and you heard and you've heard. Uh, you 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 yeah, and obviously with with, with the closer. What were you gonna say? Oh, I thought you were talking. About, you know, with Steinbrenner, I thought you were talking about Cashman too. That Cashman too. Speaking to Cashman too. But the big story is is should Aroldis Chapman be the closer of this team. And in my opinion, I'm still it's crazy to say this, I'm still sticking with them, but you saw what happened last week. You saw the the, the lead he blew last week, the four-run lead against the Angels. You saw the game he blew on Sunday. He consistently consistently kept kept blowing leads uh for, for the Yankees. He just he's been blowing leads. He's had like he's like five blown saves. I think he had like four blown saves in the month of uh, June. He had that blown save against the Twins. He had that blown save against the Royals. The game that Sanchez bailed him out. So Aroldis Chapman has really, really, really been struggling. This team continues to be inconsistent offensively. And really, it's the story of the whole year. They've been inconsistent offensively. They don't have a true closer. And 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 really, they the, uh, the starting pitch pitching you could re- really the one starting you could rely on Garrett Cole. But the last two games. You can't rely on Garrett Cole because he hasn't pitched well the last two games. So it's just this season has been a total disappointment. They're in fourth place, nine and a half, nine and a half games out of first place. I don't care if they've won two in a row. The season's been a disappointment, a total disappointment. Probably one of the most disappointing teams in baseball right now. And and and, he, and, and they're just they're just just really really struggling. And uh, if this obviously this continues, Boone will lose his job. There's no question about that. They say Aaron Boone is safe, but he's going to lose his job. But Justin, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, this is just uh, another absolute pathetic performance. Again, what you know, let's go back to last Wednesday night. You know, up eight four, and you know, you lose a game eleven eight this weekend. You know, just disappointing efforts against the Mets. Um, you know, I know Chapman unfortunately blew another save. Um, you know, yeah, it's been inconsistency. And last night, I thought the moment I saw Justice Sheffield was pitching for the Mariners, I'm like, oh boy, here comes. Sheffield throwing like seven shutout innings and you know we actually hit him and uh knocked him out before the you know in the second inning so it, yeah you just can't you don't you know this team just I just don't I don't get it some nights they're great some nights it's they can't hit anything and yeah I would put them as the three disappointing teams in the league right now with them the Braves and probably the Twins as the three most disappointing teams right now Again, you know, with the starting this, you know, and the unfortunate thing is for the starting rotation, it's gone south since the sticky stuff went away. It, it's really gone south. Um, Jameson Tyone though pitched really, really well last night. Um, it, it, and I thought his last few starts have been better. I know last week against the Angels wasn't great, but he did enough in a big lead. I thought last night he was great. I'm hoping he turns a corner now. 
I mean, he's, um, all he's all he's trying to do is stay in the rotation until Severino comes back. Okay, but I don't care about you know one good start. He's still not had a good year. No, he hasn't. I, I I'm hoping. I thought his stuff was really really good. I had nine strikeouts. I know the Mariners were uh, starting lineups not great, but I, I thought it was a very encouraging start. And I really don't bank on Severino being back. I know I, I just it just keeps seeing he's got a setback every single time he's close. So I'm not banking on Severino at the moment. Um, I, I heard they may be players for Jose Barrios, which would be very nice. I've heard I've heard Bria, those rumors about Barrios too. So I would love to bring him in. But look, this lineup is just again the, nobody makes any adjustments to this lineup, and that's the most aggravating thing for me. Is it's just you know again every night. Um, and I know we're talking about the Red Sox a minute, but the Red Sox change their approach every time at the plate. I don't ever see the Yankees do that. And that's the most aggravating part about this team. You know, it just, why, why are we trying the same thing over and over again? If it's not working, but that's on the, and that's on the manager. The manager doesn't, you know, this, this is a analytics puppet that, you know, Cashman hired and, you know, they fired Joe Girardi, a really good manager for this puppet. And that's, this is what you get. You get, you get an underachieving team with a manager that clearly doesn't know what he's doing. No, Absolutely. And I think I've brought this up maybe a few times, but I see Cora every time after the Red Sox kind of talking to a player, you know, whatever, after a mistake or whatever, talking about what happened and what he needs to do. I just see Boone sitting there every night. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah, Cora is actually, you know, fixing a problem. Boone does absolutely nothing. This is why this man, I've been saying this for the last Mm -hmm. month, this man needs to be fired immediately. He shouldn't be the manager of this team. He should have never been the manager of this team. Cashman screwed up completely when he fired Girardi and hired him. I mean, it's it was it's one of Cashman's worst moves of his career as GM of the Yankees was firing Joe Girardi. Terrible, and and, and, and it's just it, and that's it, and it's the main reason why this Yankee team has played the way it has. Absolutely, you know, it, it absolutely has, and yeah, they they've gone south since. You know, they had Game Seven in 2017 against the Astros, and you know, I know they lost in Game Six in 2019, but look. You know, Boone was supposed to get this team back to World Series. It hasn't happened, and we've gotten worse pretty much every single season since. So I'm with you. I, I think it's time to make a move. And I know even Steinbrenner's a big fan of or not a big fan, but you know, he's blaming the players more, which the players obviously get you know should be getting blamed, but how 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 it's how. on the manager. Yeah. It is not on the I mean the players, yes, they've underperformed, but it's on the manager. This manager oh, yeah. has never been hired in the first place. It is ridiculous this manager was hired in the first place. You fire a manager that won a World Series and you hire this manager, this guy with no experience. He came from the broadcast booth and you hire him here. This is what you get. That's why you haven't made the World Series in four years. It's absurd and it's ridiculous. They need to get rid of this guy. Absolutely. Because I yeah, I don't see Boone. Because Boone's not the guy right now that's going to fire this team up. Boone's not the one in the locker room making this, you know, route, you know, screaming and, and yelling, you know, that we're only up two games. You know, he he's he's their friend. He's the friendly kind of, you know, I, I'm going to be, you know, again, the season's on. Let's go back to last. Yeah, it was last Wednesday. Or last Monday, he says, okay, the season's on the line. Wednesday night, yep, with Otani in the mound. Let's bench Judge and Gio yourself. What are you doing? Is Why he, would you – why would you ever bench your best hitter? Why would you? I know Aaron Judge isn't having a great year, but why would you bench your best hitter? I don't know. I just don't get it. Like, what do you are, are, like? Yeah, if your season's on the line, why? And especially you knew two Thursday was going to be a rain out. So it's like, okay, you give Judge two days here. If Judge is not completely healthy right now and you want to give him a day, 
then make sure Aaron Judge does not go to the All-Star game next week then. Then, then do that. You know, again, if you're sitting on the line, he better be in there every day. You, you know, you can't be all oh, he needs a day here. You know, he gets hurt. He gets hurt. We're probably not making the playoffs without, you know, right now anyway. So just, just make you know, I just, it's just aggravating. And then I don't know if you saw this in the, um, it was one of their um, writers for the athletic was saying he was asked, um, about like Henry Park, about if he's got any chance of coming up, the analytics department does not like him. Henry, you know the the we, guy. All right, can we stop with the analytics? Him. Can we stop with the analytics? It screwed this team up. Can we stop with it? I mean, this is ridiculous. The analytics yes. has screwed this team up. It's just screwed this oh, yeah. team completely. Completely. The front office wants the analytics. This is why they hired Boone. It's just it's just screwing this team up. I mean, this team just look at the team right now. They have one starter who can't pitch against good teams because that, that's, that's that's been proven. Garrett Cole's not the best pitcher in baseball. That's been proven. Uh, you know, the, 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 they don't have a closer. Their closers struggled completely, even though I still have faith in him. He's struggled. He's been struggling. And the offense is just so inconsistent. Look at the team on the field. Stop with the numbers. Look at the team on the field. It's not – the team's not good enough. And it obviously starts with the manager. And after, after you get rid of the manager, you start evaluating the players. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, and again, the analytics, there's no feel in the analytics department. That's why I can't stand the analytics department. There, you know, there, there's no feel to it. You know, they don't believe in high and cold. They don't believe in clubs. You know, they don't believe in any of that. And, and there needs to be some of that. You know, look, you can't mash your way to home runs every night. It just doesn't work. And, you know, the way the team is built, it's, it's, and I know righty lefty doesn't matter, but how do you not have a left-handed batter at Yankee Stadium every night that's in your lineup? I yeah, just don't the, get it. I'm not, I'm not a big righty lefty guy either, but with that short portion right, you gotta have that. You gotta have that. You do. Ruben, I and Ruben Odor is not included in that. I, I know he's oh, had some big hits, but he's stunk. Oh, he stinks oh, most of the time. God, Jesus. Brunetto Odor. I mean, it's just oh man, it's just every move this team makes, man. Every move. There's a reason why a 28-year-old did, did got DFA'd by the Rangers who are rebuilding. There, there was a reason why they get gotten for free, I, you know. And there was an executive too. Um, Joel Sherman had you know that article this weekend saying uh, another executive saying the Yankees are 90 to 10, you know, to, with analytics decisions and like to the on the field decisions. Like 90 just, to 10, 90 percent of yeah. their decisions are based on analytics. That's why you're sitting in fourth place. I guarantee yeah. you. The Astros' decisions are not based on analytics. I guarantee you the Dodgers' decisions are not based on analytics. I guarantee you the Red Sox' decisions are not based on analytics. That's why you're sitting in fourth place in this division. It's absurd. And, and, you, and you were picked to be in first place. It's funny. You would think at the beginning of the season the Red Sox would be having the year the Yankees would be having, and the Yankees would be having the year the Red Sox would be having, but it's been in, it's been in reverse. Oh, yeah. The Red Sox are in first. The Yankees are in fourth. It's just – I've never seen them. I don't care if they won the last two games. I know people might comment and say, "Oh, we won the last two games," and and, and you've got some comments from Hector. Uh, Yankees three and seven, their last ten games. They are so inconsistent. Last night, boy, last night, boy had a five hit game. Yankees haven't fired a manager midseason since nineteen ninety with Bucky Dent. He's right about that. The Yankees just don't fire managers in midseasons. And 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 uh, what would you, what would you think about the Yankees maybe going after a person like uh, Skip uh, Skip Shoemaker? Uh, I'm not I'm not totally sure who that is, but. Uh, I, 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 at this point, anybody but Aaron Boone. Anybody, yeah. anybody but Aaron Boone. I'll take anybody but Aaron Boone as the manager uh, at this point. I, I, I don't care who it is in the dugout. I don't want to see Boone. I, there was a point that, uh, there was uh, like a week ago after the Red Sox game. I did not want to see Boone in the dugout again. 
No, I'm with you. Skip Schumacher. He was at the Cardinals for a while as a player. I don't know if he's coaching now, but maybe it. Yeah, but anybody besides Boone right now, I, I'd take it a heartbeat. This is it's it's ridiculous, you know. Uh, I it's just you know they're just you know cords running circles around him. Cash is running circles around him. You know, actually the Yankees, uh, Jeff Fishman, who's like runs the applet, um, the analytics department, was saying too in the article, like um. Yeah, we get. He was kind of blaming that Boone does put together the the, um, the lineups, but saying like we give him the information and he just kind of runs with it. Okay, he's with the Padres organization. Thanks, thanks, but, uh, yeah, so, Hey, look, yeah, look at a guy from yeah, maybe a guy from yeah, a guy from the Padres. Look at the way they're playing. That wouldn't be that wouldn't be bad. Wouldn't be a bad hire there. No, it wouldn't. I anybody besides Aaron Boone that has some feel for the game, I'm fine with. It's just the only thing I'm worried about is the Yankees are gonna make him a puppet. That that's what I'm worried about. I, I think. You know, you could. If the front office makes the next manager a puppet, then Brian Cashman has got to be gone immediately. Okay, you can't be making these managers puppets or or, or slaves to the analytics. Or or, you know, they can't they can't be you know relying on the analytics. You can't make them puppets. They need they need to be able to manage the baseball team. Okay, you can't have you know decisions being made upstairs. Manage. Let the manager manage the team and the GM pick the players. That's it. End of discussion. None of this, you know, let's, and I, you know, I'm, I mean, I don't being a little bit old school here, but like, you can't have, you know, relying on, as we talked about, you can't be relying on analytics. I'm, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. They need a manager that's just going to manage the team on the field the way Alex Cora does, the way, you know, Dave Roberts does, the way those guys do it. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. It just, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't mind the analytics to a certain extent. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I can't stand it when it becomes as bad like it, it has. You gotta let a manager, yeah, manage. It just, you know, and I think too, it's like the Red Sox trust core, the red, you know, the Dodgers trust Roberts, the White Sox trust, you know, Larusa, you know, the Astro, the Astros trust Dusty Baker. I don't, you know, I know they say they trust Boone, but I, I think, you know, they don't really trust Boone, I guess, to make those decisions and. You know, he's have he's had some really, really bad decisions. Boom. We can go back to the ALDS last year against the Rays and you know, the game two start. But yeah, they need a man you, you gotta be able to let your manager have a gut. And that's kind of what's gone with Major League Baseball nowadays. He's gotta be able to have that gut and kind of reaction to make a big move and all that in the middle of the game. But yeah, the the analytics department just they don't let you do that. And I guess Cashman has one year left on his contract. Just, we'll see. I Again, I don't think he's going anywhere because I think he's part of the Steinbrenner family. But, again, if this thing gets bad, I think the, I think the best thing for the Yankees is to win 80 games and just blow this thing up. I, I really do. I'm kind of at that point. Let's just blow it up. I would like to see this manager fired and this team play under an, a better manager. That's I don't want to blow the whole team up. I, I still I still like I still like Judge. I like Torres. I even like – you're crazy to say it. I even like Sanchez. I like Eric Cole. I like guys on this team. I don't want to see them blow it up. I just want this manager out of here immediately. That 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 that, that that's what that that's what I want. I know I've been saying this a ton since we've been talking about this for the last uh, uh, 15 minutes, but I just want this manager gone. I think this manager is just he's not he's not a big league manager, and he, he needs to be fired. He needs to be fired immediately. Absolutely. And I, Hector's comment. It's you know like the Yankees were hoping to get a. Uh, 
Girardi 2.0 a boon, and it's yeah, it's it has exploded in their face. And he and he, and he cannot be more right about that. It is completely exploded in their face. I mean, it's it could not it could not have been a better comment there. Girardi builds this. They have the surprise season in 2017, and then they fire him, and that could not have been a more uh, it could not have been a, a a worse decision. That was just a terrible decision by Brian Cashman. And I think I've been a Yankee fan since '98. I think it was the worst decision Cashman ever made. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been watching it probably since what? Like, yeah, since I remember, probably like 05, 06 or whatever. Uh, yeah, it, again, that it's got to be one of the worst decisions he's, he's made. And yeah, it you know I I did not like it at the moment it happened. Um, I haven't been a fan of it since. And yeah, you know, again, he got fired for being tough on a player, and I which they need. They they you know they they need to. They, these players need it need it. Need a general right now because yeah, the way they're playing, they, they need one. A nice one. The Yankee fans since 1980, Hector's <laughs> right there. Just like Joe. He's probably like Joe, like been a Yankee fan since the 80s. So he probably remembers. He remembers the, the those those days where they fired where George fired managers all the time. He yeah. re- remember those days when I mean managers were fired left and right. I mean, <laughs> Billy Martin came back five times. Like <laughs> Billy Martin was the manager in like 77 and 78, got fired in 78, uh came back in 79. And he got fired after 79, came back in 83, got fired in 83. And I think he came back in like, you know, 85, 88 and got fired in 88. So George Steinbrenner, the old, <laughs> the old Steinbrenner, boom, would have been fired like oh, week, yeah. uh, months ago, months ago. Right. But this is, uh, he, would probably, he, probably, he wouldn't be the manager now. He probably would have been fired yeah. after the first year when they sat Ann Duhar in game four against the Red Sox. So it, it, is, it is not good for the Yankees. I don't care if they won two in a row, but we'll look at the road ahead for them. Obviously, you know, tonight they play the Mariners. Uh, got Tremont against a uh, pretty good pitcher for the Mariners. I can't, really, can't um, pronounce his name. Pichucci? Yeah, he's an all-star. He's an all-star, yeah. yeah. And uh, you, you look at uh, Montgomery against Gilbert tomorrow. So I think they split with the Mariners, win the series with the Mariners. But I am predicting an Astros sweep this oh. weekend in Houston, and that should hopefully maybe prompt the – get the front office to start thinking about some changes if they get swept yeah. this week in Houston. Because if they get swept this week in Houston, that shows you they're not even close to a championship team. They're playing against the best team in the American League in Houston. If they get swept this week, you know if they get swept that they that they really don't – I don't think they really have a chance to win anything this year. Absolutely. you know. And Friday night you would hope Cole would Cole, Garrett Cole could set the tone. But look – he didn't pitch well last time with the Astros. He only had like three or four strikeouts. They they hit him last time around, and that which worries me. And I, I think the same thing could happen again Friday night. But I don't know. You heard what the Astros promotions are this weekend, but they are giving away the 2019 ALCS trophy, the ALCS 2019 um, ring, and a Jose Altuve jersey. So the Astros would love to take it to the Yankees this weekend, and yeah, I think it's going to happen. <laughs> so they're seeing Astros sweep. So they're going to rub it in for what happened in 2019. Oh yeah, they're going to. So they're going to rub it in. Okay, even though they didn't win the World Series, even though they didn't win the World Series, they're going to they're going to rub they're going to rub it in with the ring with the the championship with the uh, not championship ring, but like um not the really the real ring, but the 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 American. Yeah, they're going to give all the yeah they're going to give like rings away to fans or whatever. Yeah, they call that. So they they give American League championship rings away to players. I think that's pathetic. I think that's pathetic. Yeah, to the fans. Give American League, not even. They didn't even win a championship, and they're going to give away oh their American League championship ring. I've n- I actually I've never heard of that before. No, me neither. It's a new one to me. But hey, they they really want to uh, make the Yankees uh, feel feel what happened back nineteen, which 
They're, they're going to have to phone the Yankees this weekend. And then, actually, the last thing, I because I would hope the front office makes some moves if they do get swapped. But the interesting – because when House said last week, too, you know, that all the season tickles should be bagging their seats after the All-Star break, with the Red Sox coming to town, if they're only drawing still 25000 30000 I, I would hope how it kind of goes like, all right, you know, we're drawing half, half capacity or two. Something better happen because there was more Mets fans in that building last week in the Yankees. Oh Yankees yeah, games. you you could you could hear the cheers on TV. Oh, yeah. You could hear the cheer. Yeah, you could hear when the Mets did something. It was like they were at, they were at City Field. Yeah, and I don't know. I've never heard you know Yankee Stadium be invaded by Mets fans like that before. So it's hoping last week maybe something happened, but yeah, maybe after the Red Sox come in and maybe the Red Sox sweep them again and something. I you know who knows at this point, but yeah. It's only if they get swept this week in the Houston. Houston, hopefully. Hopefully, how uh, starts the wheel turning. Maybe thinking about it. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens there. But we got to talk about a first place team. And that's the Boston Red Sox right now in first place in the in the American League East by four games, and they clearly right now look like the best team in the American League East. And they're pitching. Evaldi's an all star. He's better than we thought. Evaldi's an all star. I have to say something about Iguardo Rodriguez. He started to pitch better now. Yeah, you, you kind of called it with his stuff. You liked his stuff. I didn't want to hear anything about his stuff two weeks ago, but yeah, he, he started to pitch well now. You know, he pitched well against he pitched well against the uh, against the yeah. Yankees. He pitched well against the A's. So we started to pitch a little bit better, Iguardo Rodriguez. Uh, and then obviously their lineup is this afternoon. Oh, he is against the Angels. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and if you look at their lineup too, I mean, Bogart obviously the big three: Bogarts, JD, and Devers. Devers has got to be an MVP candidate. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he leads the American League in RBIs. With seven, I think he leads all of baseball yeah. in RBIs with seventy-one. Uh, you look at – then you look at the bullpen. Barnes has been struggling a little bit lately, but he still had a good year. His ERA is under three. Uh, and their bullpen has been surprisingly good. That's been a surprise. And the road, that's the thing about the Red Sox is we knew what they could hit. The surprise has been their starting pitching has been better than we thought, and their bullpen's been better than they thought. And their manager should, I think, win manager of the year. I think he's one of the best managers in baseball. I know you know that he had the cheating scandal with the Astros, but I think he's one of the best managers in baseball. There's a reason he won. A, he has he has a World Series ring, and you know getting him back has definitely made all the difference for this team. And that's I think the biggest reason why this team is in first place in the AL East. Absolutely, you know this, this team is just you know playing kind of playing for their manager. Their manager has been great. Their manager been encouraging. Again, he makes changes. You know he makes changes. They they kind of figure out their issues. They're, they're a good baseball team. You know, they, for the majority, too, they really haven't lost anybody on the IL, too. Like, they've, they've lost a Royal for a couple weeks. They've, they've lost some kind of rule guys. But from the rotation, it's they've only had six guys go all year. You know, Pavetta, Rodriguez, um, um, or the other two, Ovaldi, Richards, and, Mar- and Perez. You know, and then Hauk has made the other two starts. And Hauk should be coming back any time now. It's been yeah, they've been healthy. The rotation stayed healthy, and they they exceeded expectations. And yeah, Josh Taylor hasn't given up a run since April thirtieth. He's been great after he had to get six or seven ERA back in April. Now it's down to two point seven, and he's been great. You know, Whitlock they stole him from the Yankees. Anavino's had a much better year. And how yeah. the Yankees allow that to happen? Anavino to go to the Red Sox. And that, that, that's another reason why. That's another. That's on Cashman there. How does he allow that to happen? I don't know. There's not one other team that was interested in Adam Adovito. Adovito, like the Phillies weren't, and the Mets weren't. I I wouldn't mind them to see them on the Mets. Like the Red Sox, like come on. Uh, that that one hurt. Whitlock, even that they didn't protect him and they protected Nick Nelson over him. Kind of that one hurts as well. But um, 
Yeah, it's and then even in this lineup right now, Kike Hernandez is starting to take over in that leadoff spot. He's been much more. He's been a much disciplined hitter uh, since he's been on a tear re- recently. Uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned Renfro has been great, and then obviously the big three. Um, this lineup's coming together. Even Connor Wong had a couple of big hits yesterday for you know a couple of big at bats. So yeah, it's Ritz, and you know you talk about Evolve being an All Star. It, that was probably one of the reasons why Dave Dabrowski got fired. It's giving Nathan Avaldi that contract, but that that is really turning a good thing that for the Red Sox because he's been able to stay healthy and he, he's been great. So this Red Sox team has definitely overachieved. They have the best record in baseball, which again before the regular season I probably would have laughed at if you told me that going to the All Star break. But they they've been great, and this is going to be a scary team, especially Chris Sale is going to start a rehab. His starting rehab after the uh, all-star break so they're probably gonna get him back early august and you know that's probably any bigger chip that they could get at the trade deadline is adding chris sale back to his rotation and then tanner Houck too so it's like pretty much they could have a seven-man rotation they're probably gonna have how probably come out of the bullpen maybe even richards he's been struggling but they could have like a seven-man rotation if they really wanted to yeah I'll ask you this question. With uh, obviously the sale coming back, the rotation is still an issue. The bullpen is still shaky. But what do you think is the biggest need the Red Sox need to do to need to make? What is the biggest need the Red Sox? What is the biggest move the Red Sox need to make at the trade deadline to make them the best team in the American League? To make them better than the Astros? Mm-hmm. Um, I, the two. You know, the it's a close one because I think it would be great if they could get one more bridge guy. I've heard they're probably they may go try to get Craig Kimbrell. They could all, I, you know, they, or they could get like another first, a lefty first baseman to put platoon with Bobby Dahlbeck. I think those are the, you know, the two. I think they're like neck and neck for both of them. I wouldn't, I think both of them are, could really help that team out to add another lefty bat, Dahlbeck. You get another, you get a bridge guy like a Craig Kimbrell, um, you know, um, like somebody like that out of the bullpen. And you kind of get somebody, you know, where you could have a seventh, eighth inning of, you know, Ron Havino and, you know, Kimbrell and then Barnes has been great. So, yeah, um, I think it's one of those two pieces that I think the Red Sox, if anything, are going to do. And because especially, too, they're not going to go after any big stars here, too, because they want to replenish that farm system. So those are two positions, too, where you're not really going to have to give up a ton. And it's kind of, you know, especially reliever. That reliever is the easiest thing to get this time of year. Absolutely, absolutely. It's always, yeah. You always have. It's always you always are able to, you know, beef up your bullpen at this at this time of the year. So look at the road ahead for the Red Sox. Obviously, uh, they play the uh, Angels uh, today in, in Anaheim. Uh, got Eduardo Rodriguez going again. I think I think they win that. I think and they got and they play the Phillies this week. I think they take two out of three from the Phillies. And I think the game they lose the Nola start, but I think they take two out of three from the Phillies. I think the Sox going to the All Star break, winning three out of four. Absolutely, I think they bounce back today with. Rodriguez against Andrew Henney. Um, Otani really kept them off balance last night, but I think they bounced back today, get the win, and yeah, I think they take two out of three against the Phillies, especially a Phillies bullpen that's really been struggling. Even, um, you know, they missed Zach Wheeler, too, because he's going today, but um, I think Nola probably shuts them down. Or Well, Nola has been great, but yeah, I do think Nola gets the win Saturday afternoon. Um, but yeah, I think the Red Sox go to the All-Star break winning three out of four, and kind of padding that lead in the L East. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. And you were speaking of Otani, and we're going to transition to Otani now. Uh, as, as last night, the Red Sox lost to the Angels 5-3, to three, but, and show, but Shohei Otani pitched seven innings, gave up two earned runs. The big question with Shohei Otani, looking at the week, he had seven home runs and 12 RBIs. Right now, is Shohei Otani the face of baseball? We talked about this with Fernando Tatis Jr. We talked about this with the Flag Guerrero Jr. Right now, is Shohei Otani the face of, of baseball? I'm going to say yes. Uh, and he's not, you know, I don't know if I'd say he's the best player in baseball right now, but this is something we really haven't seen since Babe Ruth. Uh, being able to hit and pitch, you know, again, and it's not like pitching has been horrible. Um, I know last week at the Yankees, he was bad, but again, last night, he was really, really good against a good Red Sox lineup. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, it's just so rare and it's unfortunate. That he's playing for the is for the Angels, and he's not. And I know he didn't want to play in the East Coast, but you know, if he's on a Yankee team or you know, like even a Mets or you know, like at the Dodgers, you know, and how much, um, you know, crazy he would be getting, even though he still gets a lot for playing with the Angels. But um, again, you you know, four or five years ago, you kind of like. Nobody ever in base, you know, nobody ever on the Angels is gonna like outshine Mike Trout, but it it it, it has happened with Shohei Tani for good reason, you know, with the 31 home runs this year, um, you know, leading baseball, he's like top five right now, they get RBIs. He's you know, the average isn't great, but you know, still, um, he's been unbelievable. I I, I think he is just what he can do, hitting and pitching wise, right now. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll go to the All-Star Game rosters, and those were announced. The starters were announced last Thursday. The uh, the full rosters were announced on Sunday. We'll look at the American League first, and uh, a catcher, uh, uh, Salvatore Perez, makes total sense. He's had the best. He's clearly had the best season of any catcher. First base, Vlad Guerrero Jr. No argument there. Second base, uh, Marcus Simeon. It's close between him and Altuve as a starter, but Altuve did make it uh, as a reserve. Uh, at shortstop, you got Xander Bogarts. I think that that's the clear choice there. I think he's the clear choice at shortstop for the for him for hitting over three hundred. Uh, you got obviously Devers at third, definitely the clear choice there. Uh, and then the outfield, I don't get. I don't get some of these outfield votes. Trout, he's been hurt all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judge, he, he's borderline not even an all star. The way he's, I mean, yeah, he's he's the Yankees' best hitter, but that's not saying much this year. He's borderline not even an all star this year. And then Tosca Hernandez, did you hear about that one? Yeah, I heard about yeah, that. One. That, that was, that's all right. He was hurt. Most of April, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that was a weird one. I know you know, Bucks and out a lot, but yeah, he's been injured. Um, I, I didn't really jump off the page because he's yeah, got 11 home runs, 47 RBIs, he's batting 290. Like, doesn't doesn't really jump off the page, but but we hey, Blue Jay fans are Ben Bowden. I mean, Brantley's leading the league in hitting. I think he yeah. should, he should, he should, he should have started. Mullins is sitting over 300. Cedric Mullins sitting over 300, and then Garcia for the Rangers. He's having a great year. I would have had those guys starting, in my opinion. Yeah, like Mullins, I know for playing for a bad Ash, or I mean a bad Baltimore team, but he's yeah, he's been outstanding. Gar- Garcia, rookie, got twenty home runs. Brantley leading the league. He he's a great. I love watching Brantley hit. He's just just a natural hitter and just you know, again not a home run here, but yeah, single doubles. I'd rather yeah, seen one of those two because Ty Hernandez was like eh, you know wasn't great. And he's not really the huge name, but. Toronto fans kind of got out and voted, I guess, because I, I did a couple times. I don't think I put t- tonight's I, – Hernandez was not on my all-star ballot. Who was on yours in the outfield? 
Uh, I did put Judge out there. I had Judge, Judge. Garcia and Mullins. Mullins, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. You could. It's just it's been a kind of a weak year for outfielders. I think you make a case for Judge, but it still hasn't been a great year for Aaron Judge. I think he may be good enough to be an All Star, but not to start in the All Star game, in my opinion. Yeah, I and you know for Judge, yeah, and when that one month where he was carrying the Yankees, it was like he had nobody on, and I know he was getting a lot of hits, but like nobody was on for him. I know it's what eighteen home runs, forty two RBI, something like that. Yeah, it's not great for him, but. I think it was like the month of May where it was just like he was really the only Yankee hitting. And he kind of – he kept him on it. You know, he was kind of carrying him on his back. So that, that's why I did put him in there. I wanted to see at least one Yankee hitter in there too, and I knew that the only one that had a chance for, you know, in the, the All-Star game this year. Yeah, 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 I know. Because nobody else and no hitter would have a chance for the All-Star game. Now, there's one Yankee All-Star we'll get to as no business being on the All-Star team, but we'll get to that one. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think that's why, you know, I'm happy Judge is starting. I don't think he deserves to start. I think he maybe deserves to be an All Star. But seeing that this is a bad year for Yankees to get into the All Star game, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. It's nice to see that we got one one hitter in that lineup. But it just shows how bad of a year that you told me there was only going to be one hitter from that lineup that's going to be in the All Star game. I would have said, yeah, you know, everyone must be hurt this year. Yeah, but they're not. That that that's the problem. That's the that's the problem with what's going on there. And I also thought, you know, JD Martinez should be start. I know he's, he's a DH, but I think he should be starting in the outfield just because of the season. He's had a pretty he's had a pretty good year. I think he's had a better year than some of the outfielders. I would add him starting too. Yeah, he was actually on the DH one, so you couldn't even put him there. But I, I get oh, okay. what you're saying, you know. But yeah, he because yeah, he's been playing there once or twice a week, which you know been very helpful for the for the um. For the Red Sox, but yeah, I totally could have seen him being outfield starter. He isn't really hit for the power lately, but it's been the average. He's been free. Oh yeah, yeah. Him, him and Bogarts. Him and Bogarts. We were talking about that. Him and Bogarts. The average was the average has been really good for them. We look at the reserves in the American League. You obviously have Mike Zanino. It's tough to pick another catcher. Catcher's such a weak position. He's got his 18 home runs, even though he's sitting under 200. He has 18 home runs, but catcher's such a weak position to pick anyone there. Uh, at first base, Jared Walsh and uh, and uh, Matt Olson. And the thing is, is, is you could have made a case for Gurriel, but first base is so deep where. It's Guerrero, Walsh, and and uh, and Olson. That you really couldn't pick another guy. Obviously, second base you got Altuve. Shortstop you got Bichette. Third base with Ramirez. No, no, no complaints there. And then really no, no other complaints with the with the outfielder. I think the, the one snub is probably Guriel, but it's just the position is just so deep at deep at first base. Yeah, I think it's so deep too, and I, I think you know um, it's yeah because the A's need a rep, you know A's kind of need a representative there. Um, I know Gorilla's been fire. I think he hit another home run. Or no, I think it was Oliver's. But yeah, for a is tough, you know. Again, Jared Walsh has burst on the scene this year. He's been great. Obviously, Vlad's an MVP candidate. Yeah, there's always so many good first power hitting for baseman. It, it's it's tough. Um, so yeah, I again it's a tough one, but it is yeah, I I do agree with you. he's probably the biggest nub right now. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. We look at the pitchers uh, for the American League, Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn, Shane Bieber, Nathan Ivaldi, Gibson, and uh, the guy from the Mariners. Uh, no no real complaints there. I thought maybe Chris Bassett was a snub there. Yeah. And, and, and the biggest snub is obviously Tyler Glass now. Even though he, didn't, he got hurt, look at this Rays team since he's been gone. I think Tyler Glass now obviously the biggest snub for starting pitchers. Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, he's hurt. He'll probably be hurt for the end of the year. But yeah, they should have still put him on, on the, the uh, all-star list. It's been a totally different team since he got hurt. Um, he's kind of been their one big stopper. So it's, yeah, it's been 
disappointing um, that he got hurt. But yeah, him, Bassett's been good. Or even like a Shaman uh, has been better. I know he's like six and five, but he's been a bit better lately, I thought. But that tying out the biggest nut. But yeah, Bassett, I thought should have been on there. I know he got rocked last night by the Astros, but that ball is carrying last night. But um, yeah, I thought Bassett probably could have got a shot. Absolutely. And and really, we look at the relievers, and there's really one guy that has no business being on the list, and that's obviously Aroldis Chapman. I mean, we've talked about this. He's barely keeping his closer's job. I don't know why he's an all-star. I have no no clue why he's – I know he started the year hot. I have no clue why Chapman's an all-star. He's, he, is the, he is the guy that has he's – the, he's the least deserving all-star of any all-star this year, hands down. Yeah, it's been disappointing. Um, I forgot to mention this too. My reason, I think, because it's happened since the sticky stuff – um kind of crackdown i really think it's an it for him i don't because his spin rate is fine you know it, it hasn't gone down it wasn't it's been new it's been where it's been all year pretty much i think he used st some sticky stuff more for control because i think he's afraid of hitting somebody with his fastball because again he could kill somebody how hard he throws because he's throwing his breaking balls for strikes but he can't throw the fastball so uh, to me i think it's a sticky stuff issue it, which does kind of concern me a bit that Again, that's not coming back anytime soon. But, uh, yeah, he's been really struggling lately the last month. He probably should not be an all-star. Probably could have gone to, like, an Adam Montavino or even a Garrett Whitlock. Probably could have taken that spot. But, um, you know, he did have a great, you know, first two months. Even early June, it, he was great. After that Twins game was the turning point. Since that Twins game, he's, he's, that's the, his season has completely gone downhill. Yeah, absolutely, you know, and I, that's right when that crackdown started. So that that's kind of also why I do think it could be something like that. But, you know, I, again, last night he had three strikeouts, but he walked two and gave up a hit. So, you know, was not great last night. Didn't give up a run, and you know, they were up 11. But, yeah, it, it's very concerning right now. And hopefully he doesn't maybe go to the All-Star game and he stays in New York and tries to hopefully figure some things out. Yep, yep, we'll see what happens with Chapman. But we'll go on to the National League, and uh, you look at their starters, Buster Posey, really no complaint there. He's had a really good year for the Giants. Uh, Adam Frazier for the Pirates, he's, hit, if he, he's hitting for a really high average. Not even for power, but he's hitting for a really high average. Uh, the one where I question is at third base, and that's uh, that's that, that's Nolan Arenado. I, I might have put Manny Machado. Machado's a total snub for the All-Star game. I mean, he's oh, yeah. had pretty much the same numbers that Arenado. And as guys who made it like Escobar and Chris Bryant, he didn't get the, get into the All Star game. I think he's been. A, I thought he was a snub. Uh, at first base was Freddie Freeman. No real complaint there. It says if Freddie Freeman is lucky, Pete Alonso and uh, Paul Goldschmidt have dead down years because he would not be starting the All Star game, All Star game if they've had good years. Uh, obviously, shortstop Tatis Jr. He's the he's he's amazing. He should he should be there. And in the outfield, I like Acuna and I really like the picks of Castellano and Winker. Because oh, yeah. the, the the big rigs reason why the Reds are in it is because of those two guys, Castellanos and Winkers. Winker have had really good years, and and that's a big reason why the Reds are in the race. So well, the only thing I disagree with with the starters is is I, I would have had Machado starting over Arenado. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I would have had Arenado or yeah, um, Machado over Arenado, especially with Manny's been hot recently too. So two home runs against really the Philly, well. two home runs against the Phillies on on, on, on July fourth. Yeah, you know, I know he. Had, I think one or two against the Dodgers as well a few weeks ago. He's been playing well. I, I definitely do think that's one of the bigger uh, snubs right now. I do have a I, in the National League, but it's a pitcher, so I'll get to that in a minute. But um, yeah, I, I thought you know for Manny, definitely probably should have got in there. And I know 
Escobar probably got you know was over Manny again because the air the Diamondbacks needed their representative. So oh, that's you know, that the, they still have that rule. That is let me, yeah. let me let me say something. That is the stupidest rule ever. You cannot have you don't need to have a player represent a team. That's a rule they need to get rid of. That that, that is the worst rule. I honestly that's one of the worst rules maybe in sports. I mean, it's almost as bad as the pitcher hitting, but that is one of the worst <laughs> rules in sports. Having a having a player represent one player having to represent a team. If a guy's not having an All Star season, then, then he's not having an All Star season. Do not put a guy who's undeserving of making the All Star team because you need a guy to represent a team. That is absurd. That rule needs to go immediately. Yeah, I never really understood that rule. I, I get me, you know, but like. How many Diamondback fans are really going to watch to see Eduardo Escobar in, in the um, All-Star they, they, they don't even care yeah. about the Diamondbacks. They're worried about two things right now. Yeah. They're worried about the Phoenix Suns, and after that, they'll be worried about Cardinals training camp. They, they can care less about what the Diamondbacks are doing yeah. right now down there. It's probably there. a good thing what the Suns are doing right now because they're yeah, trying yeah. to gain more heat. Now, I, I don't think half the Diamondback fans know that Escobar is even an All-Star, knowing oh, how focused they are on the Suns. Probably not. <laughs> right now, that place has been empty the last few times I've watched a game. The only time I, I think there should be one is one like you host an all-star game. That's the only one where it's, you should have at least one representative. I, I don't care. About, I don't care about that. If you're not an all-star, you're not an all-star. I can care less about that. I, I don't want, you know, anybody who's not an all-star to 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 to, to have to pretend they're an all-star because they have to, you know, it's required to have yeah. one guy on a team or, or or something like that. But back back to back, back back to uh, the, the National League All-Stars. I mean, if you look at you look at the reserves, uh we look at Muncie. Just, I, I don't mind that. Uh, Albies, uh, Brandon Crawford, obviously. I mean, if he didn't play shortstop, he'd be starting the All-Star game. Trey Turner, Escobar, you know you know my issue with that. With, with mm-hmm. uh, Mookie Betts. Uh, I don't I, know. Yeah. Him and Soto. I think those are two where, of what they've done in the past and this yeah, year. I know. I know. Those are kind of reputation moves. Reynolds for the Pirates. Eh, that's kind of, I'm kind of iffy average, on that one, too. Yeah. I average. Schwarber, the biggest reason he's an all-star is because of the month he had. And then yeah. and then uh Chris Taylor, I don't know about that one either. But we obviously the biggest snub you go if in the National League, and it's, it shouldn't even it, it's it's an it's an it's such an easy call. It's so easy to to say this one. Max Scherzer. Why is Max Scherzer not an all-star? He is one of the he's probably up to Jacob to I'd say he's the second best pitcher in the game. His ERA is at 210. I mean, he's he's completely dominant. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of wins. That's because the offense, since Schwarber got hot, before Schwarber got hot, the Nationals' offense was absolutely terrible. There is no way that that uh, that uh, Max Scherzer mm-hmm. shouldn't be an all-star. There's no way at all that Max Scherzer shouldn't be an all-star. Absolutely, they shouldn't. You know, I thought the I thought there was three pretty good snubs pitching last too. I thought Taiwan Walker. Oh yeah, nuts. he's been amazing. Walker's Neither Walker Bueller. Walker he's one of the two point five. How is that? How is that old? even possible? How is not yeah. that even possible? Then you got a guy like Marquez on the Rockies. Marquez on the Rockies is yeah. an All Star. That, that's yeah. that's what's so stupid about this rule. Can we get rid of this rule? But of course they won't because they, they just want they want representation for every team. And they do you know they'll go out and do the starting lineup from the Colorado Rockies, yeah. you know, Marquez, or from the Arizona Diamondbacks, Eduardo Escobar. They can just show their hat, represent yeah. you know every team instead of actually having an All Star game. It's it's it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And, you know, that that's the – Marquise is probably the one guy that probably shouldn't. Rogers having a great rookie year. Like, there's so many good pitchers right now in the National League that it, it yeah, was tough it, to put all of them on there. You but, know why there's so many good pitchers in the National League? The pitcher. Because the pitcher hits. That's why. Yeah. They don't face yeah, a major league hitter. Yeah. The ninth batter is not a major league hitter. That's why. 
No, which is ridiculous. And I, again, I we hope that move gets changed in December, but who knows with Major League Baseball. But yeah, um, I had those through with the big snubs with Machado, Marquez. Yeah, I was hoping Story was going to get in, but I know he's going to be but playing the Homer Derby. But I know story, shortstop is so tough. And Story's not had a, that good of a year either. No, I power. Yeah, no. Story's not had that good of a year either. Yeah, I know he hasn't. I was still kind of. That he was going to be the representative over Marquez because of how good the pitching's been in National League, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, um, those are yeah, those three Scherzer, Walker, and Bueller just every day because those three are not on the roster. Yeah, because you know every team needs to have a representative. That's why. Yep. Yeah, that's, yep, ex- that's major league baseball. That's exactly why everyone's that's included. Exactly. Everybody's included. Yeah, everybody's too. included. Like, you know. You- even if you're not an all-star, yeah, you get included. It's yep. absolutely ridiculous. But we got the Stanley the Stand Cup Finals. The Canadians forced a game five, and we'll talk about that next. But before that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Can you believe it? It hasn't happened. Tune in to the newest show presented by Clovercrest Media. It's Ovi's Backstop Podcast. Catch it twice a week, every Red Sox series finale on your favorite podcast platform. So the Canadians uh, forced a game five on Monday, beating the beating the uh, Lightning three to two in overtime. And but this series, really to me, it's a total mismatch. I mean, the Lightning are clearly the better team. They proved that in the first three games in the series, and I think they're going to prove it tonight when they hoist the Stanley Cup for the second year in a row. I think the Lightning will repeat as Stanley Cup champions, win their third Stanley Cup in uh, eighteen years, and. Uh, is it uh, two questions? Is there any way, any chance the Canadians have to, of making a, an historic comeback? If Carey Price can keep standing on his head like he did in Game Four, I, I don't think he'd be able to do it the next three games just because Montreal looked. They look tired. They look fatigued. It's a young team that, again, I don't think they thought they were going to be here. They kind of look like it, it's kind of running out. They're running out of steam. Um, they just don't have the firepower. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I think it does end tonight. Carey Price is – unless the Carey Price can have 35, 40 saves, which he was not great the first few games of the series. He gave up some goals that he usually – he stops. But I, I also think he's starting to get worn down because they really have had to um, rely on him uh, during this run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to get worn down. I mean, you got to face guys like Kucherov and Tyler Johnson. I mean, those are those guys are great goal scorers in the league. It, it, it's 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 it, to me to me it's completely over. I mean, I just don't think there's really any shot the Canadians have of, of, of winning. I mean, the Canadians has been a great run, but we obviously know the Lightning are the dominant team in, in hockey. They've been for almost a decade. If you go back to the history of the Lightning, I mean, 2011 they get to, they get to the uh, they get to the to the conference finals. They lose in seven games. You go back, then you go to 2015, they get to the Stanley Cup final. 2016, get to the conference final. 2018, losing the conference finals. This team has been knocking on the door for years. They finally, you know, break through last year, and I'm, and they're going to break through again this year. So uh, here's another question. I think we all know the Lightning are going to win. Assuming they win, could they be te- could they potentially turn this into a dynasty? Could they potentially be like, you know, 
what the kind of what the Red Wings were in the '90s, or you know what the Blackhawks were, you know, from 2010 to 2015. Can they? Can, can they? Can the Lightning turn this into a dynasty? You know, um, they're getting a little bit older. I think they're going to have some um, decisions to make. Like, I think they're going to lose Tyler Johnson, I believe, in the expansion drafts to Seattle. I don't think they're able to protect him. Um, I, you know, they got, but, um, but like most of their wing, you know, because they have a lot of guys that are getting close to 30, a little bit over 30. So I think they could have another few years left in them. You know, um, Carolina's getting there. You know, we saw them. Florida's got a young, talented team. But I still think, you know, for the next few years, this could definitely be the class of the Eastern Conference. I definitely do not think with this core that this will be the last time in the Stanley Cup Finals. I Most of their P's are going to be back next year. Um, you know, I think John's probably the only one that's not. Um, but And Batsolesi's still kind of on the younger side of things. I believe he's still 26, so. He's still pretty young. I, I think this could definitely kind of turn in um, the dynasty for for the Lightning. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, it just seems like they've just been so dominant. And they've really been a great team over the last decade. They've been they've been the best team. They've taken over from the because the Blackhawks have struggled over the last five six years. They've taken over the Blackhawks as being that dominant team in hockey. I mean, I, I remember you know being a Rangers fan and, and the Lightning came in. I remember it was 3-3. They played game seven at the Garden. Rangers were having a great year. They were coming off that year where they lost. And the guy, I know it's a bad memory, but yeah. they came off that year where they, where they uh, lost in the Stanley Cup. And uh, where they lost the Stanley Cup against the Kings. And we thought, you know, game seven in the Garden, and they're going to get there and get back to the Cup. And then they lose to the they, they lose to the Lightning. And I was so impressed they were able to go into the Garden and win a game seven. I was so impressed with that team. And then, you know, obviously all the tough defeats they had to the Penguins and to the Capitals. But it just, but that for that day when they won that game seven at the Garden, that showed me a lot about that team, and it's, and it's, it's proven this has been a dominant team over this year. Definitely, that that loss still hurts, especially Ryan Callahan with the overtime winner. That that one, oh. that one still hurts. Listen, listen, not over that one. Listen, I mean, the Rangers have never been the same since that game. Let's be honest; yeah. they've never been the same. They've never been that same team since that game. Unfortunately, and especially I love Callahan when he's on the Rangers. Now I despise him. I, I, I. I I cannot stand Ryan Callen anymore, um, but yeah, that game that game hurts, and yeah, since then it's kind of been they they've been the dominant team, you know. They they definitely have, you know. The Blackhawks they they had their time, but it's they're starting, to, you know, they're starting to get they got to the point. It sounds like they're going to trade Duncan Keith now this off season. Um, you know, obviously the Red Wings are in the middle of their rebuild right now. You know, obviously they they really haven't been good the last few years, but obviously we know Red Wings are. Oh, usually one of the better better teams in the NHL, but I they are kind of the team right now. Um, and you know they I, they're kind of what we thought the Rangers were going to be. You know, five six. You know, back in that kind of 2013, 2014. You know that you know I was hoping that was going to be the Rangers, and the Lightning have really have taken that, and they they've been really really good. And I yeah I don't see this stopping them for the um, next few years. Nope, nope, nope. And your prediction, you still got the lightning in five. I still got the lightning in five. Yeah, I got lightning in five, and they're trying to be the first team since that 2015 uh, Blackhawks team to hoist the Stanley Cup in their home building, which is crazy. It's been that oh, long. Oh, wow. Wow. So, so yeah. 2000, didn't that Blackhawks team, though, win it uh, on the road in Tampa? I think they won on the road in Tampa. Because I remember they won it on the road. I think they won it on the road in Tampa because I know, I think Pittsburgh won it on the road. Uh, 
The the Pittsburgh again went on, on the road when they beat Nashville. 18, I think the I am pretty sure the uh the, the the Capitals won it in Vegas. 19, we all know. Like we all know because we follow the we follow the Bruins. We know that uh, the Blues won it in, with the with the Bruins. So yeah, yeah. yeah no, I think I think I think that I'm pretty sure that 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 Blackhawks team won it in Tampa. And then no, but we but we know very well the last team. If, if it wasn't them, we know very well the last team to win a Stanley Cup at home as being oh. Ranger fans. It was the Kings to beat the Rangers in 2014. So we know very well that, but we know very well about that. But yeah, I think the funny thing is the Kings in the last. I I, th- I think Colorado is up, and we got to come back. They forget that Colorado is up, is up and coming. Nearly all their players have signed long term deals, and they have a ton of salary cap. Good comment, Hector. And 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 uh, yeah, I mean Colorado right now with Nathan McKinnon. Uh, and I want to get your opinion on this, Justin. You think that Hector's right? You think Colorado is that up and coming team? I think they can be. I I want to get see some more depth out of the line three and four because I think that's what hurt them against Vegas. But if they get some more depth in the back end of things. I, I definitely think they can. I, I they were that you know they were they were the best team throughout the regular season. They just again you need to have that depth in the playoffs, and they just don't have that right now. But they add another piece or two. Um, I, I definitely think the Cowboy Avalanche are going to be right there every single season. Yeah, it'd been nice to have gotten that Avalanche having McKinnon against Kucherov in the final. It'd been nice to have that you know Colorado uh, Tampa Bay Stanley Cup final. Yeah, absolutely. That that would have been fun. That would have been a very um, High, you know, it very offensive uh, side of Stanley Cup. That would have been really, really fun to watch. I was kind of hoping them or Vegas, but that that did not come to fruition. Nope, 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 nope. Not at all. Not at all. So we got a big, big fight on Saturday. We, we got McGregor and Portier going at it. But before that, we got a promo from throwing jabs. Throwing jabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and weave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs All right, guys, this Saturday night, we have the exciting conclusion to one of the most explosive trilogies in MMA history as Dustin the Diamond Poirier takes on the notorious Conor McGregor. Let's break it down. Dustin Poirier, 32 years old. He's 5'9 with a 72-inch reach and a record of 27-6-1 with 13 knockouts and 7 submissions. From Lafayette, Louisiana, Poirier had a troubled youth taking up martial arts after dropping out of high school in his freshman year. He turned professional at the age of 20 in 2009 with a first-round knockout and won his first seven-by stoppage before joining the promotion World Extreme Cage Fighting, losing a unanimous decision to Danny Castillo. He bounced back with a first-round knockout of Zach Mickelwright and then joined the UFC in 2011. After going on another five-fight winning streak, which included a triangle armbar submission of Max Holloway, he headlined his first UFC event, losing via Darce Choke to the Korean Zombie. 
After dropping a decision to Cub Swanson, he scored a first-round knockout of Diego Brandau and a second-round TKO over Akira Khorasani, then faced Conor McGregor on September 27, 2014, getting dropped by a left in round one and finished with ground and pound. In his next fight, he stepped up to lightweight, knocking out Carlos Vajero with a left cross and right uppercut, and followed that with another first-round knockout, stopping Yancey Medeiros with punches. However, in his second headlining event, he was knocked out by Michael Johnson in September 2016. Five months later, he defeated Jim Miller by a majority decision and then submitted Anthony Pettis via body triangle before taking on dangerous top contender Justin Gaethje in 2018. In an instant classic, they engaged in an epic back-and-forth brawl that saw both men land vicious leg kicks and brutal combinations before Poirier finally wobbled Gaethje in round four, backing him up against the cage and dropping him with a fusillade of punches before Herb Dean stopped the action. Two months later, he stopped Eddie Alvarez via second-round TKO and defeated Max Holloway by decision before challenging lightweight kingpin Khabib Nurmagomedov, losing via rear naked choke in round three. After a 10-month layoff, he engaged in another brutal back-and-forth with Dan Hooker, winning by unanimous decision. On January 24, 2021, he avenged his loss from seven years earlier, taking on old foe Conor McGregor, controlling the fight early with devastating leg kicks, and then knocking out McGregor with two right hooks against the cage. One of the hardest hitters in the lightweight division, Poirier likes to throw punches in combinations and has excellent low kicks to measure distance. He's also a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and is equally as effective on the ground as he is on his feet. Conor McGregor, 32 years old. He's 5'9 with a 74-inch reach and a record of 22-5 with 19 knockouts. From Dublin, Ireland, McGregor began training in boxing at age 12 to fight off bullies and started his MMA training at 18 while working as a plumber's apprentice. He turned pro in 2008 with a second-round TKO but lost his third fight via knee bar to Artem Sedekov. After getting submitted by Joseph Duffy in 2010, he won his next six in a row all by knockout before defeating Dave Hill via rear naked choke to win the Cage Warriors featherweight title. And in his next fight, knocked out Ivan Bucketer with a perfect left cross counter to win the lightweight title. He made his UFC debut in 2013 with a first round knockout of Marcus Brimage. And after a unanimous decision over Max Holloway, he stopped Dustin Poirier in the first round with a left cross followed by ground and pound. In July 2015, he won the interim featherweight title with a second-round TKO over Chad Mendez and six months later unified the title with a 13-second one-punch knockout of Jose Aldo. In March of 2016, he engaged in a savage back-and-forth struggle with Nate Diaz, with both men inflicting heavy damage before Diaz secured the mount and began raining down punches, forcing McGregor to turn around and get submitted via rear naked choke. Six months later, the two met again with the same back and forth action, this time with McGregor pulling out the majority decision. On November 12, 2016, McGregor joined a rare fraternity, becoming one of a handful to win world titles in two divisions when he put on a dominant display against Eddie Alvarez, dropping him multiple times before stopping him in the second round. After months of inactivity, he was stripped of his titles, and in August of 2017, fought in one of the highest-selling pay-per-view fights in boxing history against Floyd Mayweather, putting up a decent show before getting stopped in the 10th round. After two years away from MMA, he made his return to the octagon against all-time great Khabib Nurmagomedov in one of the biggest fights in the history of the sport, losing via fourth-round neck crank. 
After a year of alternating between campaigning for a rematch with Khabib and floating the idea of retirement, he returned in January of 2020 with a 40-second knockout of Cowboy Cerrone. After talking about retirement again, he came back one year later to take on Dustin Poirier, taking heavy damage to his left leg before getting knocked out in round two. One of the hardest pound-for-pound punchers in the sport, McGregor possesses a powerful pullback left-cross counter and is both a highly aggressive counter-striker and a master of psychological warfare. Can a refocused McGregor pull off the upset to prove that he still belongs at the top of the sport? Or will Poirier score another knockout as he eyes a showdown with lightweight champion Charles Oliveira? Tune in Saturday night for a fight you won't want to miss. Thank you very much, Tony Tony Aguirre. That is the brother of our of the president of Clovercrest Media, Joe Joe Aguirre. Did an outstanding job previewing that fight for us. So great job, uh, great job, Tony. And for this fight, you know, it's the rematch. It, it, I mean, Portier's one. Uh, Portier's won one. Uh, McGregor's won one. So it's the rematch. Portier uh, knocked him out in the second round uh, in January. And I think, you know, for Conor McGregor, this could potentially be his last fight. I think Portier wins. And I think he, he, he wins the rubber match. It beats McGregor. I, I think Poirier wins it too. McGregor really hasn't been the same. He's been three and three in the last six fights. So, yeah, I'm going to take Poirier. I um, thought he did a good job against him in January. Um, I'll take Poirier to get the rubber match. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I'm not, I'll admit, I'm not the biggest UFC combat. I'm not a big combat sports guy. I'll admit that. But uh, the two biggest fights I always remember are uh, Pacquiao Mayweather, which may, which obviously Floyd Mayweather won. And then Wayne Mayweather McGregor, which uh, Mayweather mm-hmm. won. So I, this is the I'm hoping to watch this one. I, I, mean, I think I'm actually going to try to watch this fight, try to buy this fight. I think I'm actually invested and I'm into watching this fight. So it's if it's, it's got to be a big fight if you're going to get me watching. And, and probably the same thing for you, Justin. I mean, Jace will watch every. Jace watches everything. I mean, Jace, mm-hmm. Joe, uh, Jared, and, and Tony, they watch all the fights. But if, you, if you're going to get me to watch a fight, you know it's a big fight. So. I'm definitely going to try to watch this fight, and, I, and I'm excited for it. And uh, definitely excited. I'll be listening. I'll be listening to throwing jabs on Saturday. I'll be definitely listening to that, Jared. You know, that was a great intro by Jared. That's oh, yeah. that was a great intro. So I'll be listening to throwing jabs on Saturday, and then to lead to, to lead up to the fight, and I'll definitely be watching the fight. So, got So definitely make sure you guys check out throwing jabs on Saturday. I mean, and uh, leading up to the fight, that's just. I mean, that's a must watch. It's must watch on Saturday to watch that, and uh, I'm excited for this fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, because I'm somebody during the fall and winter. It's kind of tough with college basketball, college football on Saturday nights. But like something of like now, not a ton on. I'll I'll watch. You know, if there's a couple big names. In no, there, no, so. no, no, nothing's taking you away from college basketball or college football. There is nothing that would take you away from. I honestly, if the I would even say maybe even if the Super Bowl was played on Saturday, it may even be hard. If the Patriots were playing, it'd be even hard to take you away from college basketball. Yeah, they college basketball would probably be on the laptop. I'd probably be pretty focused, trying to focus on both, but. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to get me pull me away from combat. Turn me on Sundays. It, it um during the football season, I always have my laptop going uh college basketball for a big <laughs> game. So uh, yeah, it's usually tough to kind of pull me fully away from from the college college sports. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So fight, big fight Saturday night. I'll probably be buying. I'll probably be, I don't know where I'm gonna be watching it, but I'll probably buy it or watch it somewhere. So I'll definitely be watching that fight on Saturday night. But we got to wrap up the show talking about something very, very controversial and something I am very passionate about, and that is Shakari Richardson, who was suspended uh, for for uh, legal use of for use for use of marijuana. She was suspended for a month. Now the U.S. Olympic team has kicked not has left her off the track and field team, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. 
marijuana is legal in, in, in like 19 states in the United States. It just became legal in the state of Connecticut on, uh, on July 1st. I don't smoke marijuana much at all. Okay. But here's the, here's the thing. How do you, how, how do you, how do you kick Shakari Richardson off the team? How, how does that happen? No, or not leave her off the team. This she's a superstar. If you want people to watch team, I, I'm I am not watching track and field in the Olympics. I'm boycotting watching that event. That's an event I am automatically boycotting because this girl's not in it. This girl deserves to run. You've heard the support from Patrick Mahomes. You've heard the support from Odell Beckham. You've heard the support all throughout the sports community for Shakari Richardson. She needs to be running. She should not be not. She should. There's no way she should be running in the Olympics. This is ridiculous. Just. This is absurd. I cannot believe that Shakari Richardson is not running in the Olympics. It is ridiculous. Yeah, I don't get it. Because, yeah, the special would be, you know, even for the – because it's like, you know, that's one of the things, too. It's like marijuana does not make you run fat. It doesn't make you a better athlete. I know it helps with some other things. But, look, I, I just – yeah, I don't get it. You know, it's – yeah, it's legal in 19 states. I know it's their rules, but it, it may be trying to change those rules. It, I don't really think it gives you – that, that like it doesn't give you the, uh, more of an advantage. Yeah, it's, it it's pretty ridiculous because even with the suspension, it would be you know like July twenty eighth. So it's like she'd be able to run most of the, the races, you know, or track and field events. So yeah, it, it's pretty ridiculous. I I don't I don't get it. It's kind of you know I don't know I don't know why they'd really you know or yeah I just don't understand why. They, you know, at you know, you know, or kind of kicked her off the team, whatever. It just makes, it makes zero sense. It, it's yeah, it's bad for the sport because they do need, um, yeah, because they need the, you know, they need eyeballs. They need, you know, and a star like Richardson would be a huge help to them. But yeah, I don't get it. It's definitely a rule that they should, they should change. But yeah, you know, who knows. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They really should think about changing the rule because I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Richardson is not running in the Olympics. But but that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. We want to thank Tony Aguirre for uh, doing that uh, video for the Mayweather-McGregor fight. For our producer, Jace Garcia, who did a great job. And for Justin Anafrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week uh, talking, recapping the All-Star game, talking NBA Finals, and giving you any NFL news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the tagger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya! Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Hello, my name is Joe Aguirre. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.